Welcome to Brand Meet Creator Podcast with me, Harley Jordan, and Sonia Elise. A place where we pull back the curtain and the trashy filters on the influencer marketing industry. So pull up a chair and grab a notebook. It's time to shed some light on the ever-changing Instaverse. do I have a fun episode for you today. I have been trying to get my friend Allie on this show for, I think like eight months at this point. We've talked about her so much. Allie Mason is a social media strategist, researcher, experienced copywriter, and content producer. And she's worked in journalism, wellness, radio and television production, entrepreneurship, and the government for over 15 years. After spending eight years building a social media management agency, she pivoted and launched her current company, Something Greater School of Social, which is a social media education and coaching company uh, serving purpose-driven entrepreneurs and celebrities who are committed to something greater. Allie is just someone that I majorly respect in this world because she is so good at not only talking about the facts and evidence and data of social media. Everything she does is so research fact, but she's also so good at understanding the human element. She has done so much of the work that I am constantly talking about and is just, ugh, just so good. So I am going to leave you here. We talk throughout this episode about how you can hold boundaries, what words you can use in your story and in your captions to avoid unsolicited advice, negative comments, protecting your energy, the works. Let's get into it. Why, hello there. Welcome back to another episode of Brand Meet Creator. I have a good friend of mine, Allie Mason, here today. <laughs> and I, okay, here's, she doesn't know that I'm going to say this. Here is why I have so much love and respect for Allie. She is such a fact-driven, analytical lady and runs her social media so much with just so much, just evidence. Like anything Allie says, you know, it's going to be backed up with fact But then she also has this like really secret, like soft, wonderful, spiritual side where, yeah, she'll talk to you about fact, but then she's going to come in and call you on your shit, call you on your limiting beliefs. And I think that's such an important balance in the coaching world. So I am really excited to have Allie here today. We've talked about her on the podcast before. I'm going to drop her handle down below. But Allie, tell me, my friend, what are you liking on the internet right now? So you know that uh, my background is actually in copywriting. So like many, many moons ago, I was a copywriter. I worked for the Montreal Gazette and CBC Montreal, and uh, I worked for the government of Alberta doing copywriting and research. And so... I am loving threads and there is a trend happening right now where people are quote threading each other and saying, this is where I thread from, but people are sharing really like ridiculous images that clearly aren't where they're actually posting (laughs) from. So people are using AI. Even I saw someone create an image that was like a woman under a desk drinking a bottle (laughs) of wine. Like, 
just like really ridiculous stuff. It's like really funny. And I just love the quote thread option where you can go down the rabbit hole and kind of trace it back um, to see kind of like the one upping. Yes. The social media managers on threads, uh, they're doing the Lord's work, honestly. (laughs) They really are. I, okay. I actually like would love to know if you know more about this. Like, do you have any friends that are social media managers that have been pushed into doing threads as well? And like, um, have things changed? Have like, are we bringing in new people? Do we care that much? Cause there's no analytics yet. So from what I understand, people are being kind of like pulled into threads. One thing that I want to mention is that the second a new platform is added to your scope of work, you need to be having that reflected in the invoice. So first and foremost, um, even if it's just repurposing, there should be a fee associated with repurposing whatever it is that you're sharing. So just to get that out of the way, because I'm always advocating for the fair payment of social media managers. They're usually the lowest on the totem pole when it comes to marketing. And mm-hmm. as someone who started from the bottom, now we're here, I really, really, really resonate with that. So, um, but yeah, I will say like, there are a lot of people and even it's hilarious. I have one coaching client who I'm just at the end of our contract. And at the beginning, I was trying so hard to convince her to go on Twitter, right? Because just the nature, it's not every client, but the nature of the content that she posts, it was really business related, entrepreneur related, kind of like, like on the threshold of hustle culture, but like not, I feel like it would have really performed well on Twitter. And so I'm trying to get her on. And she says like, oh, you know, I, I really can't do that because it's just like one more thing for my social media manager to do. I go, that's fair. You know what? I respect your social media manager. I'm really glad you respect her scope of work and that you're not trying to overload her with platforms to manage. And then I saw her first thread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, it's the same thing. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> it's the same thing. So there is also just this element of it being like a tangent to Instagram. It's not its own platform. It's like Instagram's baby brother that like their mom won't let them like go anywhere without them. Like, (laughs) like Meta is the mom and Meta is like, Instagram, you better take your baby brother or else you're going to be in trouble. Threads, go with your brother, Instagram. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. That's absolutely what it feels like. And I think it's so funny (laughs) how many people were so excited. I would love to talk about this like unhinged culture with threads for a second. Yes. Because everyone jumped on it and they were like, I just want to be unhinged. I'm like flailing on the internet. And (laughs) tell me that's not accurate. It was pretty accurate. (laughs) And then they got really overwhelmed with it. And just left because it was too much or was taking up too much time. But like, there were so many people popping off and saying, like, I open threads first. I don't even open Instagram right now. New platform. This is the next best thing. Mm-hmm. The question, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the question is what you think of that. I'm like, mm. like no, I have thoughts. Well, you didn't ask a question. I do have thoughts. <laughs> So 
one of the things that's really challenging when any new platform launches is that there's always going to be limited features and limited access to the API, right? So like even with Instagram back in the day, when I first started, API (laughs) is... Good question. It's like the protocol or something. I like, I don't know what it stands for. I'm like, I can Google it. Um, (laughs) It's a coder thing. It's a coder word, but it's like, essentially it's the access point to be able to use the back end data of any app. So it's kind of like to create an integration, you need access to the API. So even if you're thinking like other platforms, like, um, I don't know, like scheduling software is linking to your Google calendar that requires like an API integration. And there's probably going to be somebody who's like actually a coder listening to this. Who's like, (laughs) she doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. And you're right. I don't know what I'm talking about, but this is like the best way that I can conceptualize it for myself to understand. So when I first started as a social media manager back in like 2013, there was zero access to Instagram's API, which meant you couldn't schedule anything. You couldn't run analytics on anything. You couldn't do anything unless you did it manually. So it was all tracking on spreadsheets and like updating numbers as they went and, you know, doing whatever else. And honestly, it was hell. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) it was, it was like the worst time. It was not the best of times. It was the worst of times. If you're a social media manager, it was a hundred percent the worst of times. Social media manager time experience. Yeah, it was the worst of times. Um, So Threads being as new as it is, and given that it actually launched several weeks earlier than they had intended, we have even less than what they wanted us to have to begin with, right? So they wanted to launch a better product than what we got because they saw an opportunity and they jumped on it. And honestly, I think that was the smart decision to to make. Um, That being said, like... There is always this initial kind of, I don't know, like influx, right? Of like wanting to be an early adopter, people trying to take advantage. Like I remember seeing like uh, one of my social media manager friends sent me a screenshot of someone's tweet that was, or somebody's tweet, somebody's thread (laughs) that was saying like that they were teaching a threads strategy session. There's not, And this was like, Like, I mean, this was literally like two hours after Threads launched. So like, there's all reasons why people get on apps early, right? Instagram just made it so easy that there were, I mean, it's still, I think, the fastest growing social media app in history. It was like zero to a hundred million or yeah, a hundred million users in a week. Um, no other app has done that. It took like other apps somewhere between like months to years to get to where threads got in seven days. So thinking about it in that kind of way, it's like, it makes sense. Right. And it also makes sense that like people would be excited enough. And I mean, I think we saw this in early TikTok culture where early TikTok videos were also totally unhinged. They were weird. They were all over the place. People were just throwing spaghetti on the wall, sometimes literally like for <laughs> no reason. Do you know what I mean? Like, so people are like, okay, we have 
threads now and like it's connected to Instagram. So I feel like I'm not starting from zero because I already have this audience that follows me over there and I can transfer them over here. And like that satisfies the dopamine just like a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And I also don't know how to use this. So I'm just going to like give whatever a shot. I call it like stream of consciousness marketing, really. Like when you're in the online business space, it's like, imagine like what you would normally post as a story where you have the whole like video or the photo to give context to the background of whatever story you're trying to tell. Threads, you don't really, right? Like you can upload a photo, but like most people are just like off the cuff, totally random, spontaneous thoughts and... Honestly, I think it's a lot funnier than Instagram. I think people are funnier on threads than they are on Instagram. And I think the people who aren't funny on threads are not doing so well. (laughs) You know what it is, though? It's like darker, like more sarcastic humor. Like it's really dry. And if you don't get that, then there's the door. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And honestly, like I do feel like creating memes is like a skill. Right. Don't talk to me about that. I know. (laughs) It's a type of skill that requires like this specific kind of synapse connection in the brain of like, what is the imagery associated with the phrase or the feeling that I'm trying to convey? And it's a visual marketer's dream because it's like, if you can do that, like you're set and you can make some really like funny stuff. But if you can't, I'm sorry, just don't. <laughs> okay, so I think this is so funny because I went to, this is going to become a whole tangent, but it's fine. So I went to uh, Instagram University training back at the start of the summer. And one of the like speakers, the creator presentations was a meme account. And so it, what was so just hysterical was putting this meme artist, let's call her next to this Instagram coach and like a dating person and like whoever. And people are asking these people questions about consistency and burnout and like what does best. And every time without fail, the meme person would be like, I'm just feral on the internet. Like I post at 2am. I don't care. I put out memes of like deers on a whim and deer not with an s on a whim and (laughs) you're like I don't know and that is my highest performing content and I just don't even know where my brain was at when I created that Mm -hmm. but like that's what hit and now it's like this weird inside joke with my whole 200k audience that just like loves these like memes of you know, a deer picture talking about how I'm going to become a deer one day. Like, a, what are those books from when we were kids? Animorphs or something? Uh, yes, Animorphs. I remember. Animorphs. Yes. Yeah. But I think that's like the whole, that's the weirdest part of it is that it's not traditional marketing. You have mm-hmm. to get weird and you have to get really creative with what the image is trying to, what the image is doing on a personal level. Yeah. And I think a part of it is also like, don't overthink it. You have like, to let the I, thing come to your brain and just put it, put it out. Yeah. And like, and like, just 
try it when it comes to creating pieces that are kind of like absurdist and like humorous, like you just kind of have to experiment a little bit. And it's funny because like one of the big jokes amongst social media managers between the people who are kind of like freelance and they have very little oversight versus the people who work in corporate or for big brands. And then they have to go through legal and all of this stuff is that usually by the time a meme makes its way through legal, the trend is gone. The trend is passed. Like, the moment is over. Like it's no longer funny. Like if we post it now, people are going to be like, why are you even posting this? Like this was like a month ago. You know what I mean? So it's also kind of thinking about it from that perspective of like, honestly, I, I relate it back to the threads launched. It's like, sometimes you don't need it to be perfect. You just need good enough at the right moment. Ooh. Good enough at the right moment. I love that as just life advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your wisdom is showing out. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, friends, if you like it, like it. And I'm actually going to pull you into another quick conversation because I am loving a trend right now. And I need to tell everyone about it, everyone and their mother, that I've sent this video. It is the, a trend on TikTok that is things that are none of my business. And you just list them, things that are none of my business. And it's things like how the back of my head looks, like how the back of my hair looks today. Absolutely none of my business. What are other ones on that list? Do you remember? How uh, tan the back of my body is. <laughs> That would make me die. I was laughing so hard. I was like, yeah, yeah. If my hands were orange from self-tanner, none of my business. Absolutely. None of my business. None of my business. Where my shoes end up at the end of the day, none of my business. None of my business. Absolutely none of my business. So I think this is hilarious. And I want to do a spinoff with you real quick on social media versions of none of my business. (laughs) The number of DM requests that I get None of my business. Yeah. None of my business. business. Absolutely not. Yeah. My um, saved posts. Uh, What that looks like. Oh, even better, my saved audio. None of my business. None of your business. (laughs) (laughs) How many audios are in my saved audio is absolutely none of my business. None of your business. Especially the ones from like early 2020. None of your business. Easily. Never remove them. Never. Um, the photos in my tagged my tagged section on my profile. N- none of my business. None, none of my, my business. business. <laughs> How many dots are at the top of my story? Oh, none of none my business. None of my business. <laughs> I think I'm going to get too real if I, or just wrong. Because I was going to say like, (laughs) how many likes I have on a post? None of my business. But like, sometimes my business. So sometimes your business, it depends. It depends what the goal of the post was. (laughs) So we're going to leave it there. If you like it. Yes. Like it. The reason that I brought you on the conversation that I actually want to have 15 minutes in is about 
boundaries on social media. And the reason that I thought about this, the reason that you got a 11 p.m. PST text from me when you're on the East Coast (laughs) is because I was at the Taylor Swift concert and she some someone around me alluded to the fact that Taylor Swift doesn't show up on social media and like left the house in a box for a while, allegedly. And my brain immediately goes, Ooh, how do you hold the best, most effective boundaries on social media? And who can talk about this? Allie frickin' Mason. Allie frickin' Mason can talk about boundaries <laughs> on social media. And so I immediately texted you because you work with some high-level clientele that you have the NDAs for and have millions of followers, real big names. And your first response was, celebrities don't have boundaries. What are you talking about? <laughs> talk about this because how can we set boundaries now on social media while you have, I don't know, 500 followers, a thousand followers, 10,000 followers, a hundred thousand followers to save yourself later for any kind of trolling, any kind of negativity, um, family situations, safety, et cetera. Where do you even start with your clients? Yeah. So you know, I think about boundaries as kind of, especially like obviously on social media, but like really what our boundaries look like on social often mirror how we do or do not have boundaries off of social. Right. So like, let's start there. This is where like the mindset stuff comes in because I know that, you know, that I have really great personal boundaries offline. I only say I know that you know because there was a time when you requested that I come on the podcast before and I was like, and you said no, no. I can't do that right now. Yeah. I can't do that right now. Thank you for saying no. (laughs) (laughs) You were like, wow, you well, you did. You complimented me on how well I express my boundaries. And I was like, thank you. And I get that compliment a lot from people. So like there has to be something to that, right? So I have done a lot of personal work in therapy and reading books and otherwise that has allowed me to understand my needs. Okay. What feels good. ADHD tangent. What is your, what is a book that's changed your life in the healing journey that you've been on? Honestly, codependent no more. Thank you very much. We'll drop it down below. Continue on your story. <laughs> um, won't apply to everyone, but will apply to probably more people than you think. Um, mm-hmm. I'll just say that. Um, but having strong boundaries really starts with understanding what your needs are, what yes. feels good, what doesn't feel good, um, and how you use your energy or how things impact your energy. So part of having good boundaries or having, you know, boundaries that work for you is knowing yourself really, really well. So it takes time and it is hard work. And I will say I didn't really start doing this until I was in my thirties. So at 37 now, I can say all of these things that I feel and that I will not tolerate and that I, you know, grant grace for and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
But in my, you know, mid to late 20s, I was not this person. So just for context, like we start all, all of us start, especially women from a place that really teaches us that we actually shouldn't have boundaries, that we are here to kind of do what other people want us to do, to appease them, to answer them at all hours of the day, night, and otherwise. Which and possible on social media to literally which, do. Literally. It's a problem. It's really problematic. Exactly. And we're told often to outsource what we feel or what we need or our answers to someone else and not self-resource. So start there also with like assessing, where am I in this kind of path? That's so good. That's so good. I'm currently reading Untamed and I can't believe by Glennon Doyle. And I can't believe that I haven't read this book in the past, Um, but I'm just getting to it now. And I just think that it's brought up so many things about inspiration for me and about where you draw inspiration from social media. Because at the end of the day, um, I will scream this from the rooftops, creativity takes space. You need space Mm -hmm. to have any kind of creativity. And if you're not allowing yourself that space and you're just outsourcing your decision-making, you're going to your feed for inspiration. You're going to your friends or coach or whoever to like check every little detail. No, get it out there. Let your gut decide. And then so what if one post takes so freaking what Mm -hmm. you learn from it, right? Yeah. And I mean, there's like, you know, to talk about the facts, there's science that supports this, right? When we look psychologically at where our brains do our best creative thinking, it often comes only when we are relaxed and often when we are bored. So if you are stressing about coming up with an idea, you're actually way less likely, statistically speaking, to come up with an idea. (laughs) If you are like now I listen to podcasts in the shower, right? So I have my flipstick on the back of my phone. And I put my um, phone in the shower with me on the shower wall. And I listen to usually a podcast that's not related to marketing, not related to social media, something else that's outside of my niche, but that really interests me and gets me thinking in different ways. And in the shower, because there's nothing else for me to do in the shower, except wash my hair, wash my face, wash my body and listen to this podcast. So (laughs) check, 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 (laughs) check, check, check. So it gives me the space it gives me the almost kind of like the boredom. I'm also a double cancer. So I love being in the shower. Like it relaxes me. So I'm relaxed. I'm not distracted by other things that are going on. I'm not like looking out a window or like distracted by what's going on on my phone. And I'm just listening while being relaxed. And often I end up coming up with like way more ideas. And at the end of my shower, I'm in my notes app and I'm writing down different notes from this, from the podcast of like things that I could riff on, but from a social media perspective. And really when it comes to creating ideas or content or whatever that feels exciting and innovating and it sets us apart as creators, it's so important 
to go outside of our niche to look for that inspiration because otherwise we end up just regurgitating the same stuff that other people are doing and it's actually not innovative, new, or exciting. And oftentimes it's not even really us. It's someone else informing kind of like what we already know or do or think. And that's when you can kind of get into some murky waters around like, inspiration versus stealing ideas and like that kind of stuff. So which is is a fine anyway, that was like a major tangent. It it was. I was just about to pull us back. But like (laughs) that line between like it's microplagiarism, right? And it's not full blown. It's not the obvious version that we learned about in second grade that people still Mm -hmm. do. Um but it's like little little grabs. And we need to get out of our niche. I think that's like the biggest lesson that I've learned in the last year too, is like, get out of your niche, get into a different topic. That's not related to marketing, not related to social media and just like, let it, let it, let it like roll around in there. Give Mm -hmm. it a big, mix it all up. Stir the pot. (laughs) Stir the pot. (laughs) So, okay. We need to learn more about ourselves. Right. Boundaries. Step one, learn about yourself. <laughs> Step one, know thyself. Um, you know, there is a lot of stoicism in this work, I will say, like stoicism from the philosophical perspective, not from like the not reacting to things, because that is, you know, a different type of boundary. But really get to know yourself and your needs. Number two, ask for your needs to be met or assert your boundaries early and often. So one of the really amazing things that I find about the audience that I have on social media is that it is exceptionally rare for me to receive a comment that feels derogatory, disrespectful, that is maybe presumptuous or that is unsolicited advice or like fill in the blank, right? It is exceptionally rare. But I think, I, what I think is so cool about that is it all comes from the personal brand, the like character that you've built online that mm-hmm. is someone that is reflective and intentional and intuitive and yeah. all of that. So your audience is going to follow suit. And this is actually something that I said to you last year. I was like, our audiences are so different. And mm-hmm. I, that came from a place, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, that came from a place of I wasn't putting out that intentionality, that intuitive, mm-hmm. that like other side of me that I wanted to start talking about with my audience. And mm-hmm. so I felt like I wasn't getting the like same interaction. And I was like, that's so cool that you've created that. And it all comes down mm-hmm. to putting out your authentic self to use a trigger word. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, and I feel like we, you know, I've been talking about this uh, authenticity as a word in marketing gimmick, fill in the blank for uh, a while. If there's any, if there's any way to make a post of mine tank, start with authenticity. People will be like, "Mm, honestly, Do you want to know what's so funny? I went into authenticity as a practice, not a marketing uh, technique in my broadcast channel. And I lost four subscribers. (laughs) Yes. People were like, 
like, they, <laughs> we hate this. Yeah, people think they know how to do it and they don't think that they need to learn something. Yeah, yeah. People have really just kind of like blanket removed themselves from the authenticity conversation but the the thing is and I was thinking about this in the shower the other night again my shower thoughts are like my best thoughts is that authenticity for me is how we express or how we embody our ethics if you are being ethical and in integrity to yourself you're being authentic. Like authenticity isn't something we do for others. It's a a self, it's an internal practice. It's what we do for ourselves. It's self-preserving. It is self-expressing. It is self-nourishing. It is not an external practice. It's not something that you can perform or purchase or anything else. And honestly, the people who I think of who are the most authentic are often the people who are the quietest about it, right? They just are who they are. They don't necessarily talk about it all the time. You just, it's so attractive um, to see that because you feel it. You really do. Exactly. It's a feeling. Yeah. Okay, so step two. (laughs) The tangents are broad and wide and we love them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So getting into like the actual tangible of Mm -hmm. boundary setting, what are some of those things that you recommend to your clients other than, you know, get to know yourself and where Mm -hmm. you're setting those needs? Because I do think there is some experimentation involved in all of it to figure out what those needs actually are, what those wants actually are. Mm -hmm. But talk to me about outsourcing and DM moderation and some of those things that you automatically do with big, big clients? Yeah. So when it comes to bigger clients, one of the things, and I actually recommend this for even my smaller clients, um, but we just do it in a slightly different way is having a contingency plan for when you go viral in the wrong way. And sometimes it's just even going viral, but like when you think about going viral, even in the right way, it usually puts you in front of more people who don't understand your message. So you'll get more comments or more DMs from people who are like angry or annoyed or who think you're wrong and they want to tell you about it or fill in the blank. Right. And, you know, there is a level of and this is a whole meta conversation, not the brand, but the, you know, (laughs) philosophy. Um, This is a whole meta conversation around what, why people feel so entitled to telling people what they think about them on the internet, where they literally would never, ever, ever, ever do that in real life. So that's a whole separate conversation, but that on its own, One of the things that I usually tell people is to have someone who you trust, who can look at the comments, look at the DMs for you first and vet them. Not you. Yeah. Not you. If you start noticing that one of your posts is really blowing up, probably it's a reel, but maybe it's a carousel, right? Um, 
and you're seeing a lot of comments coming in and you're starting to feel that feeling where you're tight in the chest, your throat starts to feel like it's aching. You feel hot, you're sweating, your mouth gets dry. Those are all signs that Mm -hmm. you are in fight or flight and it is time to put the phone away and take a break. Mm -hmm. And do you want to be engaged in it still? Yes, of course. But are these comments urgent? Usually no, right? Like it's a joke in the social media world that like, we're not firefighters or surgeons. We're literally marketers. Like this is not a life or death situation. And like your urgency is not my emergency. So like go take it elsewhere. Um, I think also having that person who can kind of decide, you know, is this someone that we restrict? Is this someone that we block? Is this a comment we delete? And having, you know, somewhat of an SOP even before it happens where you can pass that off to the person who is your trusted source, whether it's somebody you're outsourcing to like me or whether it is a friend or, you know, a fellow entrepreneur who's like your biz bestie, you know? Um, I do think it's important to have those people in our back pocket in the case that something like that does happen. So that's one thing. Um, The second thing is like actually talking about your boundaries, right? In your Instagram stories, in your posts. I find the people who are most likely to kind of either offer unsolicited advice or leave you some sort of like, I don't know, inappropriate DM usually come from your stories. And as a result, I know a lot of my friends who have actually turned off DM replies or story replies. So there's the option in your settings on your story to make it so that people can't DM you from a story. So if they wanted to DM you, they would have to exit the story, go into DMs, type in your handle. It adds a lot of friction to the process that would discourage someone from actually doing it. So if they really, 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 really were motivated enough, they would do it. But if they weren't, and it was just something that they just were like impulsive and wanted to get off their chest, probably by the time it it took for them to get from point A to point B, their prefrontal cortex would have kicked in because they were probably in fight or flight in the back of their skull. And they were probably like, you know what? I don't need to send this message. Their higher self kicked in. You know, so, (laughs) so, you know, there are things like that that can also slow things down on posts that are getting a lot of negative comment traction. You can also just disable comments. You know, um, I've had clients who had to do that for a variety of different reasons. Um, Sometimes it was like, you know, maybe we had to post something from a show that had a little bit of like a sexier scene, right? And there was, I mean, sure, except for that, like, this is, you know, the reality for a lot of women uh, who are in entertainment is that there's just so much actual like SA language Mm -hmm. that happens in comments from mostly men. Um. And like fetishization, depending on the culture of the person who's involved and all kinds of stuff. So there have been times when, you know, I've worked with a client to be like, you know what, I do think it's the right time. Let's just turn off the comments. By the time this post slows down, we can turn them back on and, you know, it'll be like no harm, no foul. But like, again, that's like a call each person has to make for themselves. 
And it has to come from a place of, is this harming my mental health, my energy, my capacity enough that it matters more for me to preserve that than it matters for me to like protect this like open space of conversation. If the conversation that's happening is more educational, if it's more like people are learning something or sharing something together, if there are a lot more positive comments than negative and you're just hyper fixating on the negative, then that's a different kind of weighing of the scale. So it can also help in that case to have somebody who's on you know, disconnected from the content who it's not theirs. Maybe it's a professional or maybe it's a friend or, you know, a biz bestie who can look at the comments and be a more discerning eye and unbiased kind of adjudicator of what you're actually looking at. Because one of the things, and actually I was just listening to a podcast this morning, Hidden Brain is one of my favorite podcasts. And they talk about how our brains are naturally wired to focus more on the negative than they are on the positive. And part of that is because we want to, uh, you know, avoid pain as a species, like biologically, we want to avoid pain. So it can help to have someone actually kind of come in and be that voice of reason to say, hey, actually, the comments on this aren't as bad as you think they are. There's maybe five that are kind of bad. Um, but the person clearly didn't really understand what you were saying. And it seems like they're projecting. So their comment maybe isn't as, you know, important as someone else's. And maybe we can even find a way to invite them into this conversation so that they can, you know, see more of what you're actually trying to say versus what they think that you're trying to say. I think there's, there's two things here. Number one being, you know, if someone has something so, um, just so negative to say, so off the cuff, and they can't bother to read the caption, go check the profile for context of anything, the like lack of interest in context just kind of tells you that maybe that's not the person you should care about the opinion of. If, if they don't care to look, you shouldn't care to try to understand. Yeah. 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 It's interesting because uh, there was a post that I quote threaded on threads the other day about financial transparency in online business because there is so much uh, revenue marketing being done, like how I made seven figures in my business, but they like, don't tell you that they spent like $500,000 on ads, like, or, you know, that they had like, like just $750,000 in like seed investment money from like, I don't know, some like random dude or like whatever. Right. And so have you seen the whole, uh, what is it called? MRR marketing, the, the course that's going around. Oh God. Uh, I don't think so. But I also like when I see something that looks scammy, I just go hide ad and I (laughs) say it's irrelevant to me. And then I go on my, about my business. (laughs) So, okay. Yes. I, interesting topic. So I've been seeing a bunch of people jump onto the, I think it's called like marketing reso rights or something like that. It's this course that 
basically teaches you how to sell it and you have the rights to it so you can sell it and make a ton of money. And it's like, it's really scammy. So it's like an MLM for marketing. It's an MLM for course creation, I guess. And a bunch of network marketing girls, which don't have a problem with because your companies have been around for a while and you have regulation for income claims and claims about the product, all of that. You have this new thing coming in that's not regulated yet or like hasn't been pushed down by right. a governing body yet. So people are making a ton of income claims. It's going mega viral. But on the same note, you also have coaches that are making those same income claims or are making making claims about follower count or like these big, bold, viral, worthy things. And I've talked to a lot of people about this concept and they're like, well, like, I see the proof in the pudding. Like, I see, I see what they're doing. Why can't I just do that? Or like, you know, is there a little part of that that I can do in an ethical way? And I'm like, hold up, hold up. You couldn't do that. You might be able to physically be able to do that. But at the end of the day, inside, ethically, that you couldn't, that's not sustainable for you because you would get so much visceral ick about the whole process that you wouldn't be able to keep it up. You just wouldn't. Yeah. And there's so many things, regardless of, you know, the context where people have these big follower counts and it's like, well, I could just do that. I could make it that simple. I could be like that. You couldn't, you couldn't. It would be so draining for you to show up as a different person, to show up literally as them and Mm -hmm. grow like- Well, and it wouldn't even resonate. No. (laughs) You're like- like, That's the thing. Yeah. No, that's the thing is it's like the thing that I find so- almost like borderline. It's like the thing that's, I don't know, you're going to find me in the corner, like hysterically laughing. Do you know what I mean? Is when I see another creator who stops thinking that there are all these rules, that there are all these rules that they have to follow based on whatever, whoever said, whatever they had to do that they think, I have to wear a wide brimmed fedora and have blonde hair and wear a flowy, right? Whatever. Like I don't need your Sedona resort wear for you to do well on Instagram. Do you know what I mean? Like love that look, but like, it's not me hundred, hundred percent. I do have a wide brimmed wool hat, but I don't wear it like that. Like, do you know what I mean? It's just like, I have my own style in real life and I convey that same style when I show up on social. So if someone were to meet me on the street who knows me from Instagram, they would probably recognize me, number one, from my hair, number two, from my tattoos, and number three, because I wear the exact same stuff in real life that I wear on social media. So when you think about why people are attracted to you in the first place, it's not usually because you're emulating someone else. It's usually because you are so authentically yourself that it does have that kind of magnetic feeling and it brings people toward you because it's like, you know, I always, you would think that in like the 20 something years that I've known this quote, I would 
remember it word for word, but I don't. But there's like (laughs) that Marianne Williamson quote where she says something to the effect, and I am paraphrasing, that like, as I let my own light shine, I unconsciously give others permission to do the same. And that is really kind of what happens in that situation. And part of the reason why people are drawn to people who are like that is because when you are being so, and I'm not going to say like unapologetically yourself, because it's like, because you just have to apologize regardless. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I, think but like, I, think, I think it's so funny that authenticity and unapologetically you has become such a, such a trigger. Yeah, cringe. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because it doesn't mean anything to us anymore. It's like provide value. Yeah. What, what does that mean? Yeah. Like real, what's that mean? Real exactly. Life, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, I just think when we are able to do that for our social media, the way we show up on social, that's when we'll usually see that big growth. Yeah. And like, of course, there are other factors that play into why people grow, right? Like early adoption of reels or, you know, uh, going viral for a specific thing or whatever. And and that is all well and good. But like when we're talking about like sustained, organic, long-term growth that really supports a person and a business without, you know, really kind of swinging you super far in any direction that you didn't intend, that is usually where it comes from is like leaning into the things that really make you passionate, like leaning more into where your actual expertise is and not pretending to be an expert at something you're not. Um, you know, I'm all for people kind of exploring different avenues, but being honest about when you are first exploring an avenue versus saying like, you know, I have, a decade of experience in a thing, right? Like don't act like an <laughs> expert when you are a novice, yeah. you know, I'm not going to show up to the LPGAs and be like, trust me guys, swinging a golf club over my shoulder. Like I've got this, like, I'm not going to do that because like, it's so far out of my scope of practice yeah. that it's, it's a joke on me and all of them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, there's no point in it. It's a waste of time and energy. So you're better oh, off pouring more of your effort and energy into the things that are already kind yeah. of in your general field of vision. Can you give, can you give us a example, like in the words that you would use to put on social media? How do we actually say that? If I'm not a if I'm not an expert or if I'm not, if I'm just jumping into something, how do I I've been exploring that? X recently. Love that. I just found a podcast about why it made Love me think that. a through F like whatever the thing is. Do you know what I mean? It's like usually revelatory, right? Usually the thing is, is that like the culture that we live in wants people to be perfect. We want us to be perfect. We want each other to be perfect. Nobody's supposed to make a mistake. And if you make a mistake, well, guess what? You're canceled and you're never coming back from it. And that puts a lot of pressure on people. The reality is you build more trust with not just yourself, but with your audience when you can actually own, give credit and honor the lineage of the teachers you're learning from. 
So even like you said, you and Sonia have shouted me out on the podcast a handful of times. I always name when it comes to ethical business, I'm always learning from uh, Maggie Patterson at BS Free Business. Um, I'm always learning from Hidden Brain for, for psychology. I have like a handful of, of yoga books that, you know, help me with mindset. I love Glennon Doyle. I love uh, Elizabeth Gilbert. You know, there are writers who I consistently go back to and books that I consistently reference that I will make mention of when something that I am speaking about initially comes from them. What a breath of fresh air to see that in someone's Yes, Like, I didn't think of this and that's okay. But here are my thoughts now. Wow. What a concept. Yes. Yeah. I can't believe I haven't thought of this before. But instead, what we hear is, I can't believe no one is talking about this. People are talking about this. (laughs) My nervous system just went. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. People are talking about this. Like, just honestly, like scrape that from your vocabulary. I can't believe people aren't, aren't talking about this. People are talking about it. Google it. Just Google it. I guarantee you're going to see like 150 to 300 results. People, academics, people on, in the media, journalists, people on social, people are talking about it. You just haven't been a part of the conversation yet. It's new to you. So you think people aren't talking about it. Nix it from your vocabulary. Nix it. Nix it. Okay, how about boundaries? I don't want advice. How do we how do we vocalize that on stories? Yes. Yeah, I love this. And actually, talk about credit. I love how Lisette Calviero does this because mm. she has chronic illnesses, I think plural. <laughs> and she shares a lot of her health-related stuff in her Instagram story. And People have a lot of opinions, especially about any illnesses that require you to change your diet. And so for those who have celiac disease or gluten intolerance, which are two different things, there are a lot of people who have a lot of opinions about this, even for me. Okay. So earlier this year, I was going through my migraine situation and thankfully, you know, I have a diagnosis now. Now I am one of the chronic illness girlies. (laughs) But (laughs) joining the club, all the hot girls have chronic illnesses. Romanticize it. Hot girls with (laughs) Go ahead. But anyway. I feel this so much because anytime I go to get mod pizza, literally so stupid. um, And they ask, is this an allergy or is this a preference? Yeah, medical. It's it's an allergy. Like, I promise you, I'm not just being trendy. Like I actually have a gluten issue. And it's so, I think it's so stupid that I, my brain does that little spiral. Right. Yeah. Because the reality is for them, they're probably actually thinking, do we have to make sure that this doesn't touch a pan that a flour based dough has been cooked on, right? Or that we don't use the same utensils to cut it as a glutinous pizza, right? That's the real reason for asking. (laughs) Not gluttonous. That's what we are. (laughs) Okay, what's that? But anyway, so to go back to the stories, I saw Lisette do this and I ended up having to do it for myself as well because people have so many um, opinions about what causes migraines and especially with 
people having long COVID. There are a lot of people who are having issues related to headaches, migraines, sensory issues, neurological issues. And that is brutal. And I'm sorry for the people who are going through that. But I had a lot of people. One more time. (laughs) S-O-R-R-Y. Sorry. It's an O, not an A. I'm Canadian. Hello. Greetings. I apologize. Continue. (laughs) So, um, but the thing was, is I had some people who ended up reaching out to me who were kind of suggesting that maybe I had long COVID, even though I have personally never tested positive in the many years now that it has been around, Mm -hmm. um, which isn't to say that I've never had it, but I've never tested positive for it. Mm -hmm. Um, but one of the things that was unique to my migraines is that I have evidence of optic nerve damage. Uh And that is not related to COVID that is related to the fluid in my brain. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, it was a matter of saying like, hey, I'm actually not looking for anyone else to diagnose me via the internet based on my symptoms. I am seeing one of the best neurology departments in the world. I mean, like I'm in part, I'm in NYU. Like I'm pretty sure that whatever, you know, God bless whatever family member of yours is going through whatever they're going through. And I'm sorry that they're again, going through that, but I have my medical team. Mm -hmm. I'm going to trust and, and work with my medical team to get the answers that I need. And since sending that and also kind of having a response on deck for when people do say that, like, Hey, so actually like, thank you so much for this thought. Um, my issue is that I actually have optic nerve damage. So it's like a different issue than what you're talking about, but I appreciate the concern. I'll keep you updated once I get more answers. Like, so it doesn't always have to be like, no solicited, unsolicited advice. Like, you don't, you know, sometimes it can feel that way. Sometimes it can feel like you just want to be like, I didn't ask for your advice. Like, (laughs) I had had someone do that on a post I made yesterday. I was like, one-on-one calls drain a lot of my energy. And someone in the comment section goes, you should do 30 minute calls. I was like, I can't fit my process in 30 minutes, but fine. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. That's so Yeah, I mean, and that's a thing, right? Like, generally, people who offer unsolicited advice on a post or a story where you don't ask for advice, you're not asking for a solution, they think they're doing good, right? Like, they are trying to help. It comes from a good place. We understand this as people. But the effect or the impact of it is often that it makes it feel like, oh, like you must think I'm an idiot that I haven't thought of that. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, you must think I'm actually really stupid because to just suggest something so simple as, oh, well, just like cut the length of your calls in half. (laughs) Like, are you kidding me? Like somebody, I can't remember something very similar happened to me. Um, I think actually recently on threads and I don't even know if I gave it a response because I was just like, I've literally been doing this for 10 years. Like, and it's not to say I'm not open to like solutions, but if you, your solution is something that's like so primitive and basic 
and you're thinking like, oh, she probably hasn't thought of this. Like, I guarantee you, you're wrong Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I'm an overthinker. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The fact of the matter is I've thought about it a lot. Yes. I've thought about it more than I should have. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So Allie, so in the beginning of this episode, we talked so much about finding yourself, really figuring out what your wants and needs are. What are a couple of questions that we can really consider, mull over, have a shower and think about, journal on, that's going to that's gonna get us in the right direction? I love this. Um, so some questions that I usually tell my clients to think about are, what are the parts of social media that actually energize me, right? So I have this tendency of attracting clients who actually hate social media. Um, and I kind of love that for me. I really do. It's like weird. It's, I don't know if it's like some sort of like, I don't know, is it masochistic or something? But like, I love working with people who hate social media. And one of the reasons why is that I can almost always guarantee you that the reason why they hate it is because they're focusing too much on the things that they hate. Yeah. Right. So this goes back to the hidden brain episode. Everybody should listen to it. Honestly, what was the name of the episode? We can link it in the show notes. I'm just going to say that even though this isn't my podcast. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If you want to just send it in the chat. Yes, I will send it in the chat. It's called U 2.0 slow down. Um, but one of the things that they talk about is how we just have a tendency to focus more on negative things than we do on positive. So instead of, you know, kind of without intention, just using our social media like that, think about, well, what are the parts of social that I really like? So I'm thinking about one of my clients in particular who went from like 16 K and making like zero sales to now he's almost, I think he's the last time I checked, he was like almost at 750 K, which is like mind-blowing bonkers and like great engagement and like literally is just absolutely killing it like absolutely killing it everything he does in his business I'm just like he's like my star student you know so um but one of the things that I said to him was what what is something that you really love about social like what's one part of it that you enjoy and he was like you know what it's actually just connecting with people Mm -hmm. in my dms Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, so what I'm hearing is that you like to actually have conversations with people. You like to connect with people. And he was like, yeah, I like to like help people understand like what it is they're doing and like what they should do next. And like maybe which course of mine they should buy or, you know, fill in the blank, whatever. Like, okay, cool. So I want you to actually focus less on everything else for the next 30 days and focus more on that. Simple. One of the, the, principles and it's like research backed that I just heard about that reinforces this is that when we slow down and we intentionally take moments to recognize the things in our life that bring us joy, even if we have less moments of joy, we are more likely to be more fulfilled and satisfied by them. If we slow down and we take the time to actually enjoy it. So that's number number one. 
is, you know, what are the things on social that actually bring you joy? And maybe for some people, it's like actually creating, it's like editing videos or it's filming or it's whatever, right? Like it could be any wide variety of things. Maybe it's stories. Okay, cool. So like for the next 30 days, focus less on your feed, do more stories. Um, so would love that. Like, yeah. So what? Exp- right experiment. Yes. Experiment. And then number two is think about the thing that you like the least about social and then figure out a way to minimize your interaction with that. So for example, one thing that I hear often is, (laughs) and this always makes me laugh so hard. I've made so many memes about this. Um, how people are basically like, you know what? I hate social media. It's so toxic. It's just filled with like thirst traps and people like flexing their lifestyles right now. I'm laughing, but with a very straight face. (laughs) And I, every time my husband says that all the time and I'm like, you ain't in the right spot, bud. (laughs) Every time I'm like, I know how an algorithm works. And if you know how an algorithm works, you will understand why you keep seeing that. Because even if you are hate lurking, oh, and I have had this conversation with a friend of mine who was like, <laughs> I had a friend uh, who is a photographer who's awesome. Um, and she sent me a screenshot of her explore page and it was like filled with the Kardashians. And she is not the kind of person to be like seeing the Kardashians everywhere. And she was like, why does my explore page look like this? And she was like, I don't engage on anything. I don't like on it. I don't comment on it, like nothing. And I was like, okay, but have you been hate lurking? And she was like, dot, dot, dot. Yes. <laughs> I'm dead. I'm dead. So like when we understand that the algorithm is like a feedback loop, that we are actually the one giving it the signals, we're like giving it the tokens to say like, yes, give me more of that. Like when we understand that it's getting like, it's like the murder is in the house, like the calls coming from inside the house. Like once you understand that, then you can understand like, okay, I just need to interact and intentionally engage with different things and disengage from the things that I don't want to see. Even if I'm tempted to lurk on the Kardashians because they're just so hate lurkable, I'm not going to, I'm going to scroll on by and entertain myself with something else. (laughs) And it's funny because I often show my explore page to my clients because they want to know, like, does it matter that I'm engaging on stuff that's like not related to my business or fill in the blank. And if I love this you look, you. I love this because I know what it's going to look like. <laughs> it's deep sea diving, a child dancing, Bugs, like a, crazy a child person. dancing, yeah. and workers, dog face, and oh wait, uh, nail art. Also important. one nail art. <laughs> also important. So like. And it doesn't matter. And like looking back at my account, my insights, like my explore page has been like this for months. Looking back at my insights, it makes no difference. It makes zero difference. So let me, let me pull this back before I ask you where to find you on the internet and bring us back to the first thing that we talked about. You are so evidence-backed, so evidence-backed. And yet you're sitting here at the end of this episode saying, what do you like? What do you not like? How can you make this experience, this whole experience better for you? 
because you know what's going to mm-hmm. happen once your experience is better. You're going to show up as a better, more confident, more inspired, more motivated human being. And wow, that's attractive. Wow, that's attractive. Mm-hmm. So break every rule. Not everyone, but that's some of them. That's the Hurley touch. Break every rule. Break every rule. I'm like, break the rules that are statistically based in evidence. (laughs) I'll I'll accept that as an answer C. (laughs) Okay, Allie, where on earth can we find you for more more of your wonderful goodness? Yes, for more of my wonderful goodness, you can pretty much find me on every single platform at that Allie Mason, T-H-A-T-A-L-L-I-E-M-A-S-O-N. Can I spell my name? Absolutely. (laughs) Um... So you can find me at that Allie Mason. Um, I'm most active on Instagram and threads. Now I have kind of abandoned the platform formerly known as Twitter. I don't call it the new name. We won't. I won't. I keep telling myself I'm going to get more active on TikTok again. We'll see how that goes capacity wise. Um, My website is somethinggreatersocial.com and uh, coming soon, something greater school of social membership. So, so if excited. you are into that kind of thing and you want to, you know, get some one-on-one slash kind of more personalized approaches, but still in a more group setting, I um, love that you're to work doing on your strategy. Right to join, I might. <laughs> Cause I just work more <laughs> Honestly, Honestly, I've had like a handful of like very well-established social media managers or marketers already DMing me about I, it and being like, I love, why haven't you launched this yet? <laughs> I love when I have social media people in my group. I'm like, let's let's bring it all together. Let's all chat. Um, exactly. Exactly. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for jumping Thanks on the for podcast, having me. Allie. We've been, I've been like itching to have you on for a while and I'm so glad you're here. So and yes, with, same. If you love this episode, rate it because it means so much in this algorithmic world. And if you have any other questions or loved something that Ali said, come hang out with us on Instagram. Come tell us all of your thoughts and feelings. And until next time, I'll catch you next time.